0: Hi.
1: plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
0: The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories in behind the rain and the fog and the trees of the Pacific Northwest and those things which dwell behind fog. Those things which live in the roots of the trees, and the rain which mixes the dirt and the blood, is why listener discretion is advised. Mildred Morthy lay in bed. Her knitted bedspread pulled up tight beneath her chin and a chill on her back where the blanket had pulled away, having gotten tied around her foot at some point in the night. Her eyes blinked away the sleep as she rolled onto the back yawning and feeling her cold back warm under her own weight. She smiled, thinking of the previous night. What an exciting and wonderful evening it had been. She'd had her first kiss at the well. She'd never been out to the well before, and she'd never had a kiss. Well, of course, she'd never had a kiss before because that was her first kiss, and her first kiss had been with Mark Lapont. It was a shy kiss. Mark, who always seemed so cocky and sure of himself, had been so shy and delicate. And as softly as his lips touched hers, they left an imprint that tickled long after he pulled his lips away from hers. As she lay there half asleep, welcoming herself back into the world of the material, she ran her fingers over her lips, remembering how the hairs on her arms had stood up and her toes had curled when they had kissed. His hair was combed over and he wore a freshly washed shirt, a shirt which hadn't been ironed despite being washed, but Mildred thought the crinkles in the nice new shirt were a metaphor for Mark. He, too, was full of wrinkles and creases, which she thought, if she was lucky enough, she'd be the one to iron out. Mark had slapped aftershave on his face, although he clearly had very few hairs on his fair-skinned chin, and certainly not enough to shave. He'd been out looking for Matthew earlier with Mildred's father and the rest of the town, and she could still smell the musk of a hard day's work beneath the aftershave and the scented bar soap. She lay there for a while as the gray dimmed light of an overcast day became brighter and brighter, with the rising sun well hidden behind thick clouds, moody and bloated with rain to come. She could hear her father rustling around in the kitchen before pushing the back door open and leaving to work for the day. It was Saturday, but people like the Morthys couldn't afford rest. Rest was for the people like the Laponts, like Mark Lapont, who Mildred was daydreaming about. She fantasized about waking up, sun already high in the sky. She fantasized that he would bring her breakfast in bed and he'd take the children that they would have out for the day, while she had all the time in the world to rest and relax. That was the sort of life she imagined she'd have with Mark. But enough was enough. Mildred had places to be, and she had a ways to go to get there. The Morthys weren't rich, in fact they weren't much of anything at all, and in the tradition of the Morthys her father was as, well, not much of anything at all. It wasn't that he didn't work, it was just that he had never held a job title of one sort or another. He was what you could call a handyman, at the beck and call of all the widows in town with gutters to fix and lawns to mow and occasionally he would come home, all scratched up from fighting off a nest of raccoons from under a porch. Mildred was an only child, so there was no one to help her father or keep her company on the days he worked, which was every day, so Mildred often found herself daydreaming like she had that morning, about Mark, and an easier and simpler life. Mildred's mother was, well, the townsfolk of the fort don't speak about Mildred's mother, Mildred's mother, known as Edith, was what people would have euphemistically called, for want of better words, an eccentric woman. Eccentric not in the way she dressed, she had dressed according to the income of the Morthy family, in sturdy, thick clothing, which had seen the sharp end of a needle and the backside of many patches. It's true that Edith was eccentric, but I'll also say what others won't. Edith was a witch. She wasn't a white witch or healer or midwife or any of those other words used for well-intentioned women who had lived and died in the long history of the fort. She had been something else. Edith wasn't malicious or evil, she just never worried herself with the stomach pains and birthing in the fort. Instead, she'd been one to spend her days off in the woods, divining secrets from the way the twigs had snapped free from the trees in the wind and fallen on the ground, or seeking the future in tiny whirling pools of water in the river, where the current hit a hidden rock twisting and turning the waters on the surface. And in her earlier years, when her sisters, who were equally as eccentric, had been alive, they'd even planted a grove of trees, which, missed by no one, happened to be witch elm trees. That was, of course, a place that no good boy or girl, man or woman of the fort ever went. And it was out of the way, hidden behind nearly impassable bush. And for that, everyone was thankful. But Mildred had never been there. Well, maybe she had as a small child with her mother, but she'd never had anything to do with her mother's fantasies, and she had even less to do with it after her mother was, as they say, sent to the loony bin. Of course she loved her mother, but she also pitied her, which was probably why she would visit her mother every Saturday, making the long and tiring journey all the way to the Riverside Sanatorium, where Edith Morthy, Mildred's mother, had lived for a handful of years. Mildred didn't like Riverside Sanatorium it smelt like bleach and excrement each fighting to hide the scent of the other but she did enjoy speaking with the nuns and she was always in awe at how crisp and uniform their habits were of course she'd never wear one herself the life of a nun was not something Mildred ever daydreamed about but that didn't stop Mother Cyprian who always encouraged her to come and live with them taking care of those who would not otherwise be cared for, and taking her vows. As much as Mildred had no intention of being a nun, and joining the Holy Sisterhood of the Living Waters, not ever, it hadn't stopped her from asking questions and teasing Mother Cyprian. If she was being honest, Mildred loved the attention the nuns gave her, which was more than her mother had ever done her mother, who was more interested in speaking with trees and drawing in the mud than she ever had interest in teaching Mildred how to be a young woman. Mildred Morthy, who spent most of her time alone, lost in her own mind, found herself at the front gates of the Riverside Sanatorium, with barely a single memory of her journey there, which she supposed was fine by her because the journey was long and it was boring and she had seen it all many times before. The wrought iron gate, with its sturdy, decorative flourishing at the top and sharp, tall, black, iron, and rusted wall-like fencing stood imposingly, and stark in contrast to the silent nun who weaved her way to the front to drag it open. Is Mother Cyprian around? The nun just nodded saying no words. Mildred assumed she must have taken a vow of silence like so many of the other nuns who stalked the grounds of the sanatorium. Thank you. I'll be on my way to see my mother now, I guess. Mildred bowed politely, in a sort of crude and uneducated half curtsy, and then sauntered off confidently knowing the way all too well. The ceiling was high and vaulted, and the floor was cold and tiled beneath Mildred's feet. She didn't like the way the tiles made the bottom of her shoes squeak, but she supposed it made sense, and it certainly kept things tidy and sanitary. The halls were eerily quiet and dark, as if the nuns kept the entire place dim to keep those confined within its walls from seeing themselves fully Mildred could feel her palms starting to sweat, and the knot in her throat twisting and balling itself up, making her unsure that if she spoke, that any words would come out as she approached the door to her mother's room. She was anxious like she was always anxious every time she went to see her mother, not knowing how to pass the time, not knowing if her mother would stare her in the eyes with any sort of knowing, and she stood there for a good long while as she always did before beginning her visit with her mother, and her hesitancy was punctuated by the whining of a trolley cart full of pills being pushed echoing through the halls. Mildred reached for the door handle and twisted it open. It smelled different than it normally did. Different than her mother smelt. Edith had always smelled earthy, as if all her time walking through the peat of the bog where the mud of the woods and fields had stained the very essence of her being. But it didn't smell earthy in her mother's room. It smelled like rot and death, like a body had been left in the heat for too long. It smelled like spoiled flesh. Mildred's nose scrunched and pinched, and she jerked her head back like a crane as the wall of odor hit her. It made Mildred's eyes water, and she pulled her sleeve up and over her hooked thumb before bringing it up to her eyes to tap the tears away. Edith's bed had been moved away from the window, and the curtains had been drawn tightly shut, letting in only a sliver of ambient light with which Mildred could navigate the room. Mother? She said as she slowly approached the bedside. Mildred knew it as soon as she had called out for her mother. That which was lying in her bed wasn't Edith. Whatever it was was not her mother. But that didn't stop her and her curiosity from slowly inching her way closer to the bedside. It was a boy, not much younger than Mildred. Or what was a boy, as whoever this was appeared to be dead. Or wait... No, he wasn't dead, but he surely looked it. Mildred stared down at the mottled, rotting skin of the boy's face. She could hear his labored breathing through his lips. Lips which had been stitched shut, with a sort of makeshift and crudely hammered metal shunt jutting from the side of his stitched mouth, through which she assumed he was meant to breathe. Mildred wasn't sure if she was more horrified at the sight of the grotesquely assembled boy in front of her, or if her curiosity was greater than that horror. His wet, discolored, red and bulging eyes slowly turned towards or regarding her, her eyes, her nose, and hair, before resting on her red, beautiful lips.
2: Oh, you poor boy. Who are you?
0: said Mildred, reaching out to stroke the boy's hair, feeling the need to show the boy a little affection, just a little love. He looked like he needed it, locked away in this dark room with no family. She felt sad for the boy. She pitied him, and her eyes welled with tears, thinking of how alone he must feel in this terrible place. "'You are not
1: supposed to be in here, young lady.'
0: Mildred turned startled to see Mother Cyprian standing in the doorway.
1: "'Get out of this room now! I was looking for my mother. We've moved your mother to a new room, and she isn't accepting guests at this moment.'"
0: Mother Cyprian had never spoken to Mildred this way, had never chastised her, and it hurt. It hurt Mildred because she liked Mother Cyprian, who always showed her a certain level of affection. Mildred hurried out of the room, leaving the boy behind, feeling embarrassed and ashamed, although she wasn't sure what she had done wrong. Mother Cyprian remained standing guard by the door to the boy's room, which had been Mildred's mother's room, and watched as Mildred ran off and out of sight. A figure shifted in the darkest corner of the room opposite Albert's bed. Oh no, that was exciting, wasn't it? Whatever shall we do about that spirited little girl? That figure who Albert had called the man in the cave smiled, his toothy grin catching the light from the hallway. Will the rest of his face escape the light somehow? Mother Cyprian straightened up and nestled in her habit, stood quite tall and imposing. She turned her head towards the man in the cave, who was no longer in a cave.
1: She is not for you. Do
2: you hear me? Under no circumstance do you touch her. Ever.
0: Well, neighbor, are you starting to see the wheels that turn, where the snake bites the tail of another? Are you starting to see what is plain for those who look? I told you there were more moving pieces, or pawns, to be knocked sideways by bishop or queen or rook or knight. And there are still more to come. Now remember, you do have a short while to refresh yourself, neighbor. So if you forget, all you need to do is go back and listen. And make sure those pieces, which seemed clear, are still as such and not obscured by fog or tree. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is performed by the wonderful Charlie P.S. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers. The Fort is a town like no other. And there are many things to discover for those who are willing to see and those who are willing to listen to the vowels and consonants made by whistles in the wind. Have you considered joining us at our town hall, which you can find on Patreon at www.patreon.com/thetownwhispers? The town council has been diligent enough to set up goals that include digital rewards as well as physical for those first few who walk through the streets of the fort. Have you signed and sealed your citizenship to the fort by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at The Town Whispers? If you haven't, you might want to do so. There we will be divulging secrets of a different kind, such as Patreon exclusive storylines, additional short stories, merch and swag, and much more to come. So make sure. If you are one who is willing to face a thing with no face, that you meet us, neighbor, at the town hall at patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. And once again, you can find The Town Whispers on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Whispers. For more information on the show, head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com.
3: of you inside of me.